Welcome to our first Gospel Sunday. Really excited about this. Come on in, grab a seat. We're going to get ready to start. And Gospel Choir, please come on up. So please welcome the Pepperdine Gospel Choir. This started out a couple of months ago when uh, my friend Dermot Stoker, who's out there directing traffic, took me to lunch and told me that we needed to have some diversity in music. And he wanted some gospel, and I thought that sounded phenomenal. So here we are. And the Pepperdine Choir was nice enough to actually practice with us, learn our songs, and join us. So we're really excited about today. So if you're out there grabbing your coffee, come on in. We're going to get started. I don't want to be rude to our guests because they're starting. All right, how about this? All my good kids, if you'll stand with me, we'll pray and get started. Lord Jesus, thank you for a chance to do this, a chance to worship you with our voices, with this amazing choir that uh, we get to worship you with voice and, and music. We are so grateful for today and ask for your blessing over this service, that your Holy Spirit would come and meet with us and that uh, we could praise you from our hearts today, that you'd hear our voices, but you'd hear our hearts and that we would honor you and make you pleased today. I want to welcome you and uh, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Wait, so we're not doing something else? Wait, we're not doing something else? We don't have to do it. Okay. Hey, Kenny, you think trust me, right? Watch ye therefore you know not the day when when the Lord shall call your souls away
the crying, even the rocks, even the rocks, the crying, even the rocks, even the rocks, the crying, crying out, crying. Acapella.
No, no. 
Welcome these guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Say hello to somebody next to you, and we'll get started with the service. Brian will be up in a minute. after church today so hang around and eat and have some fun and then a half day of work on the property if anyone is interested so contact brian kelly 
do you want to do this before I read the scripture? Okay. Morning. Hi. I have two quick announcements. Um, ladies, if you go to Pepperdine on Saturday, there's a wonderfully made conference. There's flyers in the back, poster if you want to check it out, but it's going to be an amazing event, so please come to that. And then also on Sunday, there's a community-wide event at Pepperdine called The Mountain, and there's a band from Nashville, really amazing worship band called All Sons and Daughters, if you've heard of them. And they're going to be playing, and everyone's invited. It's going to be in a big open field. I think it's like 6 o'clock. I don't have any information for you besides that, but kids under 8 are free. And they just want all the community and Pepperdiners, obviously, to be there, too. But it's going to be a great night of uh, open worship. And I think the tickets are like $12 if you get them in advance. But look online. for It's called The Mountain. And All Sons and Daughters are like a fantastic band. So anyway. And I have one quick announcement. Hi, I'm Brandon. I'm the sound guy. Um, hey. Um, as much as I'd not like to admit it, I am graduating soon, um, which means that we are looking for some more people who are interested in running the soundboard. Um, I would be partially mentoring you. Some other people like Tony, you know, have had experience in the past. And so um, if you're at all interested, if that's a uh, ministry that you feel like you have some experience in or you'd love to learn more about it, um, find me after church and we can kind of work out some details about that. But um, yeah, so... Sounds great. Woo! Good morning. Uh, I'm Peter, and I wanted to give you a quick update on church finances. Um, we just want to be really open and transparent with the church on what's happening uh, with the finances, what's coming in, and uh, what we're spending the money on. Uh, so Lockwood and I kind of help manage that. Uh, I do a lot of just the... Um, entering the donations, so that's why you see me at the back uh, at the end of church, and then Lockwood works on some of the expenses, uh, and then we kind of work together on the budget for the year. Uh, so this is just kind of a quick breakdown on what we spend in a year. Uh, our budget for the year is about 100000 and we bring in about 120000 every year in kind of ongoing donations. Uh, we also get a couple bigger donations throughout the year, uh, but we don't want to rely kind of on those. We want to look at just kind of the monthly uh, amount that we get. So roughly about 40% is for uh, kind of the salaries and stipends uh, for Brian, Bo, and some of the interns. Uh, and then a big chunk is obviously um, food. We like to eat here, and it's a good way to bring everyone together. Um, and then also, uh, if you're not aware, the, the giving box is at the back. We also have online giving. Uh, if you go to the MalibuGathering.org, there's a link there. And that's a really easy way just to set it up, but it can happen every month. Uh, and if you're planning on giving and you know that um, you're going to be giving to the gathering, if you can, every, do it every month. That would be helpful. Uh, it just uh, gives us a better idea on, on how to budget and plan uh, for the year. If you have any questions, feel free to come talk to me or Lockwood at any time. Uh, thank you. Okay, so if you want to look at the blue paper, I'm going to read the verses on the back that Brian's going to be talking about today. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mark 10. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of, mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to think of himself, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this amazing church family. Thank you that you bring us together. Um, I know we're separate ways throughout our weeks, and then coming here in the morning is just a great way just to see how you're working in us and in our community. I pray today that your spirit would be among us in this tent and that you would be able to work through our hearts through what Brian has to say. Thank you for letting us hear your word and letting us learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good morning, everyone. My name is Brian. We're glad you're here. If this is your first time, we just want to say that uh, we're glad you're here. And uh, if you can, stay after church, and uh, the famous taco truck will be here to enjoy lunch together. So I say that knowing that I have a limited time with your attention, so I'll do my best to be as clear as I can and um, as we study God's Word for a little bit and then we'll worship and then have lunch together. We are uh, beginning a series. I began last week on a series, Are You Growing Spiritually? And last week we said that if you want to grow spiritually, then we want you to live what you learn, that we want to be applying spiritual truth to the routine of our lives. And this morning, we're going to answer the question, are you growing spiritually by saying that if you want to grow spiritually, you will serve where you are needed, and you will serve where you are gifted. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to serve where you are needed and serve where you are gifted. It would be as if I invited you to my home. I have three boys, and they are in process of growing into young men. Just as if, uh, in the same way, Karen and I are growing as parents. So we are all in process. So what that means then 
is that we have flaws. That my children have flaws, I have flaws as a parent. And if we can apply the same truth to our church family, we are in process. That we need to be growing spiritually. One of the most important things we need to be asking ourselves and be thinking about is, am I actually growing? Are things changing in my heart? Is my attitude different? Am I better able to love people? Am I growing in my understanding of Christ? And so this morning, we'll look at the topic of what it means to grow spiritually by saying that if we look at the life of Christ, we will be people who actively serve where there are needs, and we will be people who are using our spiritual gifts. The problem is so significant and, and important for us to deal with that C.S. Lewis mentioned, I mentioned this last week, said that if we want to grow spiritually, the aim has to be newness of life and not niceness. And the issue is that needs to be addressed is our selfishness, that our tendency, our regular natural desire, our natural tendency is to see things completely from our perspective. In fact, I can clearly remember as a teenager saying or hearing my mom say, believe it or not, the world does not evolve around you. It doesn't. And I'm going to quote my mother this morning and say it still doesn't evolve around me. And it doesn't evolve around either any of you either. The implications of our selfishness are tragic. Lives are deeply affected through our selfishness. And so this morning, we're going to say that if we're going to grow spiritually, we have to start with the reality that our selfishness is real, that in fact we're even blinded to it sometimes. Often we're blinded to it, and that we need some kind of change in our heart to begin to grow. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and we are going to say that if we are going to serve where we are needed, then God has to do a work in our heart. That if you are going to grow out of your selfishness, that God has to be the one who creates humility in your heart. And I, wanna, I do want to be clear that I'm not in, uh, in any way trying to chastise anybody in our church. In fact, I wrestled this week thinking through this about naming all of the people that do things and serve in our church. And I just decided against it because there are so many people and I don't want to leave anyone off, and I don't want to draw attention to specific people, but it is true that there are a lot of people that most of you have no idea that they are actually serving, but they are very actively serving. And what we want to do is we want to transition as a church where everybody is serving. And if this is not your church home, my hope for you is that when you do go back home to your home church is that you are actively serving there wherever your home church is. And it's really one of the most meaningful ways that we transition. So if you're um, new to the gathering and, and you've been coming for a little while though and you think that you want this to be your home church, that transition happens and you begin to serve. That, that's what allows you to move in. Sometimes we have a tendency just to stay on the periphery, to stay on the outside, and we never really get to know people. 
And my encouragement is, if you do consider this your home church, to be actively serving. And I'll show you how God can change your heart to do that. So if, if you do have your Bible, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says this briefly, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That is impossible. To, commit to, to see others as more significant than yourself, unless there is a change in your heart. It's really easy to identify selfishness in other people. In fact, I can probably generate some kind of emotional response from the females here if I were to describe a situation in somebody's home where the husband and the, the boy children were lounging about their house with their feet on the, the sofa and peanuts and soda cans all over while the mother is cleaning and vacuuming and cleaning the bathrooms and doing all these things while the males, the men, lay around and do nothing. That creates a problem. In fact, it's really easy. I can, I can get you all to dislike me very fast. If I invite you over to my house, and that's what I show you, right? My wife is working very hard, doing everything, cooking and cleaning, and I'm saying, hey, babe, I'm, I, my hot cocoa is a little chilly. Can you warm it up? <laughs> You'd laugh, but you'd be probably cussing at me if you were in my house, <laughs> and rightly so. If you're going to grow spiritually, you need to serve where there are needs. And here's the solution. The solution is to look at the life of Christ. Verse 4 says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interests of others. Well, that sounds nice. But if we look at this honestly, what this points to, these verses, is that it points to the life of Jesus Christ, the one who actually did live this life, who actually did live this way. In verse 5, is written in the plural, Paul says, among yourselves, he's saying this, that if we take on the mind of Christ, that we will be a church family who looks at the needs of others before yourselves. That's what will happen. That that's the kind of church we will be. Just as in the same way that Jesus put the will of the Father before the will of his own desires. We know that in the final days and weeks that Jesus was praying some other way, Lord, because he knew what was coming. There is, a direct, there is a direct link between the way you think and your behavior. And that's why Paul says that if we are going to grow spiritually, God has to do something in your heart that changes the way you think about Jesus. The key words that Paul writes often in his epistles, and it's mentioned a couple times here in the passage, are the two words, in Christ. And basically, those two words mean that you are a believer. That if you are in Christ, you have come to that point in your life, in your heart, in your mind, that you need a rescue. That there is a sense of brokenness in your heart, and you have been rescued by Christ. And what that means then is that everything that Christ has accomplished is applied to you. 
that there is newness of life, that you are forgiven, that you are a part of God's family, that the strength that belongs to Christ belongs to you, that there is a newness of life, that there is, is an internal transformation of your heart that you cannot fake. We all know that everyone can be nice when the conditions are right. You can't fake nice in your own home. We can all fake nice now, but real nice begins with a change, with a newness of a new heart. And that's what Paul is saying. Have this mind. So the people that are in Christ have this mind. Think this way. What is the way that Paul thinks about? We look at the life of Christ. There's two really important things. In fact, these three verses are some of the most significant verses in the New Testament about the life of Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. Verse 6 and 7 says this. This is talking about Christ. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But here's the main verb, verse verse 7. He made himself nothing. That doesn't mean that he lost any attributes of his deity. What it means is, is that he added humanity to himself. That God sent his son Jesus. He left the perfect place, the perfect place of being together with God, the perfect community, and he added humanity to himself. That's what Paul is saying. He made himself nothing by adding humanity, which, and here's what he did. He took on the form of a servant. By adding humanity, he took on the form of a servant. Paul continues then by talking about his humanity. A regular man being born in the likeness of man. That means he was a regular man born of a woman. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. So, the God-like part of Christ, he added, hum- he added humanity. In his humanity, he added humility by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I was speaking recently with a couple of friends about um, uh, the movie The Passion of the Christ that I'm guessing came out about 10 years ago. And I haven't seen it in probably eight or nine years. And we were talking about just what a powerful film that that was as far as understanding the final days and hours of the life of Christ. When we think about Jesus being fully God and fully man, taking the role of a servant and going to the place of the cross, when we're willing to think about that and you're willing to think about your own life, I know my own selfishness. I know my own flaws, just like you know your own flaws. And when you think about that, that the God-man came and died a brutal death on the cross, a humiliating death, a violent death. He was hung on a tree so that we can have life. We see a radical act of humility by the living God to rescue people. And Paul is saying this, this should create humility in your life. Do you understand how much you are loved? 
Do you fully understand that God fully knows everything about you, yet He still loves you? And that should create just a depth of humility, of thankfulness. We can think of it this way. If I were to take you out to Starbucks and buy you a cup of coffee, you would probably say thank you, and you would probably mean it and just be happy. But if I, if I was personal friends with a cancer surgeon, and one of your children was diagnosed with this rare form of cancer that my surgeon friend knew something about, and was able to do a type of surgery that saved the life of your child, that is a radically different type of appreciation. You would probably grab the doctor and hold on to them and weep and share your appreciation. It's, it, it's as if giving life to you. The doctor gave life to your child. And Paul is saying this, he wants us to understand the depth of the problem and the solution and what it cost, but the motive behind it was love. If we want to be people who serve where there are needs, it is not enough for me to give a little talk and say, sign up please, and we need some help, and people sign up, and, and do it for a week, and they fade off into nothingness. The only way we can become a place, a church, where people are serving one another is when God does something in your heart. And you see the sacrifice that he did for you to give you life. It requires a work of God. The problem, the challenge, is found in Mark chapter 10. And I'll be brief here. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, I will not read it all this morning. Mark chapter 10 verse 35 shows the disagreement, the argument between James and John and the disciples and where there's this tension and there was this desire in their life like we all have. We all have some desire for our life to matter, to count. And what happens is the disciples are arguing for a position of power. Who can be the person up front? Who can be the person next to Jesus? Who can be the person who knows the cool guy, the rich guy, the powerful guy? In fact, what they do <clears throat> is they want to turn Jesus into a Coke machine like we often do. The passage begins with, Teacher, we want you to do for us what we ask of you. We, really? We, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Do you see that? That's, that's us. That's us saying the world does evolve around us. And Jesus, in his patience, though, clarifies. And we'll skip down to verse 43. Chapter, Mark chapter 10, verse 43. But it shall not be. It shall not be that way among you. That is not who you are. The application today for us is this is not who we are in Christ. That's not who we are. And here's the solution. The continual need for a reminder. But it shall not be among you. But whoever would like to be great must be the servant. Whoever would be first must be the slave of all. 
For even the Son of Man did not, came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. It shows, again, the exact same point that Paul's writing about, that we look to the life of Christ. That's where the motivation comes for, for serving For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And that's the question we have to ask. Are you coming on Sunday mornings, whether it's here or another church, and you're only thinking about your own needs? Think about what kind of church we become if everyone thinks that way. The motivation happens when God changes our life and we begin to understand more deeply what it means to live the Christian life, to be in Christ. If you want to grow spiritually, serve where there are needs. And here's how simple this is. I'm, not even, I'm, I'm mostly not even talking about church stuff. I'm mostly talking about your home, about husbands helping their wives, about wives helping their husbands. And I don't, at least in my world, that happens more than the other way. About children helping around the house, at your work. Here's what Christians don't say. They don't say, I don't do that because I'm not paid for that. We don't say that. Christians are in Christ and so we serve. At school, out in the ocean, when you're surfing or playing with your friends, in your neighborhood, the routine of your life, Christ is calling all of us to say, serve where there are needs. Don't even wait to be told. See with your own eyes. Meet the needs of each other. If you want to grow spiritually, serve where there are needs. We'll finish up with this. Quickly, Romans chapter 12, the last part of this, is also serve where you are gifted. Sometimes you just need to serve. Right? John... Uh, at the end of uh, Jesus' life when he washes the disciples' feet, nowhere do we see anywhere that the spiritual gift of washing people's feet, right? So that maybe that wasn't his gift, but there was a very important lesson that Jesus gave his disciples washing his feet. So sometimes in life, you just need to serve wherever the needs are, even if it's outside your realm of specialty. But you also... You also all have a gift. You all have a gift. If you are in Christ, God has given you a gift for two main reasons. To, to add towards unity and to build each other up in Christ. To promote unity and encouragement. In Romans chapter 12, I'll be brief through this, is a, a place that we can go to regularly. All right, and so here's verse 1 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Daily. Daily sacrifice. Here's what has to be put to death in my own life, and I'll just share it with you. Daily, my desire to be the center of the world must daily be put to death. My desire, my natural tendency to be selfish has to daily be put to death. My desire to think about myself first requires daily, sometimes hourly, 
prayers to say, God, help me to remember I'm not the center of the universe. I am here to serve and love people. So Paul knows this. He knows that within all of us, there needs to be a regular renewing in our heart, in our mind of what God has done for us through Jesus. And that we have to regularly renew <clears throat> the truth that our selfishness is like a weed that will never go away until we're in glory. That we have to be thoughtful about this. Paul goes on to say, and I'll skip to verse 3, says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. There's something, okay, um, when, I, uh, when I'm in my American history classroom <clears throat> and I say there's a test coming up, I'll stand up and I'll repeat myself three or four times because eighth graders easily forget and easily lose attention. So I'll repeat over and over and over again and write it on the board and then do something really ridiculous and make them laugh and say it again. Paul, in almost all of his letters, keeps saying things like this. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think with sober judgment. For as in one body we have many members, and many members do not all have the same function. We naturally think about ourselves, and we just need to be reminded, we need to be encouraged that you have a gift. And if you're not using it, there could be a variety of reasons, but one of them could be you're just being selfish. You're not understanding that you are in Christ and God has given you a gift to encourage people. There are many places in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians, Romans, 1 Peter. And my point this morning is not to talk specifically about that. I'll hit briefly on these. But the idea is this, is that serve where you are gifted. I know, I know some of you and you have amazing gifts and abilities that God has given you. And the question can be, or one of the questions that we will ask is, how come you're not using it? It's a tremendous encouragement to people. We have people in our church that don't have any babies or kids, and they're watching other people's kids. That continually blows me away. That wasn't even on my radar when I was 23 or 24. I was just about me, and when will the preacher stop talking so I can go surf? <laughs> that was my life. And there are people in our church that do that. That's a tremendous encouragement to people that have kids in our church. Very briefly, I just want to touch on this, what Paul talks about here. Verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Nobody's telling you where to serve, how to serve. We're saying serve because you have gifts. You have spiritual gifts. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, if you have a word from God that you want to share with people, don't be shy. Speak up. Somebody's got to say something sometime, right? The next gift Paul lists, lists here is service. The, the word means practical service, enjoying being a part of a team that gets the job done. Some people don't ever want to be up here, and they thrive on being behind the scenes and making things happen. 
Our church has lots of people like that. Teaching. Some of you, I've heard, you are gifted teachers. You are gifted at making spiritual truth clear. Use your gifts to encourage people. Next, Paul mentions encouragement or exhortation. That is the idea of being able to come alongside people, to support people, to counsel people, to encourage people. Paul mentions giving. Giving with generosity and effectiveness. Some of you have um, a financial mind that makes wise financial decisions. Leadership. People with, with vision that not only you can see, but actually other people can see the vision too and see the wisdom behind it and join you. Paul mentions mercy. The compassionate heart come alongside people who are unable to help themselves. What do you enjoy most about serving God with your spiritual gift? What do you enjoy most about serving God with your spiritual gift? And if you aren't, experiment. Be active. If you desire in your heart to grow spiritually, the essence of a Christian is that we have humble hearts that are active in meeting the needs of other people. Because that's what our Lord and Savior has modeled for us. And that's what He has done for us personally. When Jesus Christ ascended, He gave us His Holy Spirit to be, to be active in our lives, to encourage each other, to support each other. We are, we are hesitant sometimes to share of our brokenness, but I guarantee you, I know, just even by this, the, the number of people here this morning, that there are people here that are broken and hurting. And we want to be a church that comes alongside people to encourage people, to encourage them to persevere, that there is hope, that there is somebody that loves you, there are people here that love you. My hope, my own personal life, and in, in the life of my family, in the life of our church, is that we will be people progressing and being more like Christ. And the very specific way we do that is that we serve where there are needs and you serve where you are gifted. It's that simple, it's that clear. And that's the opportunity we have to love one another. Let's pray. Father, we do love you, and we are so humbled in our heart for what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us all. Father, I pray that you would pour out your Spirit amongst us, that there would be a, an awakening here in our church of your love for us, and that hearts would be changed, and that we would understand more deeply how you first served and loved us. And that in response to that, we would be people who serve and meet the needs of others. Father, we love you. We ask your blessing and protection over this church. In your name, amen.
This morning is morning. This morning is another morning uh, for communion for all of us, um, and I I wanted to start by reading a poem that I imagine many of you are familiar with, um, but it's a beautiful one, one of my favorites. Um, it's by George Hebert, I believe, um, and it's called Love. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love. Observing me grow slack from my entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, the ungrateful, ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And you know not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So sit I did and eat. The, the picture that's um, painted here of, of love, um, who is so persistent and gentle in continuing to invite adopted sons and daughters to his table to share the, the bounty that he has at his table um, is one that I hope we would take a chance for a moment just to sit and, and be a little bit floored by um, the, the persistent love of God in inviting us over and over to his table to fill us with what we need. Um, and while, while this poem does a great job at, at expounding upon upon that character, the climax is so subtle at the end when the writer says, so sit I did and eat. All that goes into that choice of actually being willing to let go of oneself and say, okay, I, I admit, I can't provide for myself. I do need something outside of myself and I, I recognize that you, Lord, are the one that can provide that, that deep thing that I need. Um, that is what we do when we take communion. Um, when we come up and say, I, I am not my own, and I can't take care of myself. And I guess, kind of in accord with what Brian was saying this morning, um, there comes a stark difference in my mind um, between those who, I mean, you envision a family. Um, perhaps the, I, I don't know how, how many of you are familiar with a lot of the struggles with, that parents talk about when adopting children. Um, but one of the things that, that I hear every now and then is when kids just, they've had such a hard time before being adopted that they don't ever really feel a part of the family. That they come and they'll, they'll sit at the dinner table with the family and they'll eat, um, but they can't help but feel at the end of the day that that's not their home. Um, but there are some beautiful success stories where kids start to get it. Well, they'll sit at the parents' table and even though they weren't born to these parents, that they don't belong there, they feel loved there. 
and they feel a part of the family and they're willing not to just sit at the table and eat, but to keep coming and, and doing what the family does. They get that this is what the family's about. This family's about serving. This family is about bringing in other adopted children. Um, and so I just remind all of you today that um, what it is to know that you've been cleansed. And if you have this morning, please come. Um, please come and eat, but also come and, and do what the family does. Show grace and mercy. Welcome in others and, and celebrate the family that we have. Um, if you haven't made that commitment this morning, um, that's fine. Um, we are glad that you're here and we hope that you'll continue to keep coming and learning what this commitment means. Um, but this morning we'd like to share in, um, in this meal with you all. Um, so if you'd come, we have the bread and the grape juice up front. Um, and we invite you to share in this family. Your 
who's holy and we all agree that you're worthy of our praise. Sing it like you mean it. Do you agree that he's holy? Yeah. Yes, we all agree. Oh, do you agree that he's worthy? Yeah. Yes, we all agree. Oh, do you agree that he's faithful and true? Yes, we all agree. Sing it like you mean it, oh Lord. We agree in the power and strength of unity that you're worthy, worthy of our prayer. Oh, oh Lord, we agree with our whole hearts. We proclaim to thee that you are the King.
the only God who's holy and we all agree that you're the ever Sing one more song, so why don't you stand with us and we'll close with this. There's some people available to pray with you if you need prayer for anything. We would love it if you would go home, prayed for, and inviting uh, God into whatever area of your life needs prayer. Love well. 
hand for these guys. Thank you so much, Gospel Choir. We love having you today. 
In the name of Jesus, I bless you guys. Have a great day. We love you. Stay around for some tacos. Amen.